good day and welcome back. Or for any first-time listeners, welcome to Making It Work, a show about doing what you can with what you have where you're at. In this show, we use personal stories of how people achieve their goals, no matter how big or small, by making it work with what they had at the time and growing from there. I'm your host, Michael Pluhacek, father, husband, service member, firefighter, small business owner, and tinkerer. Now in this first 10 episodes, I've really been trying to focus more on tips and tricks to help anyone who may be having trouble starting on their goals. Whether it's because you were never exposed to certain principles or you're overwhelmed by your thoughts, this is definitely the place to be. Today I wanted to talk about really digging in and identifying your strengths and weaknesses. Taking an inventory of what you excel at and what you'll have difficulties with is one of the most foundational things you can do to stack the deck in your favor. And stacking the deck is the topic of episode 7, so please do stay tuned. Today, I offer you two quotes for the price of one, both from the mind of Ralph Waldo Emerson. We acquire the strengths we have overcome, and our strength grows out of our weakness. Typically, I like to share more wordy and eloquent quotes, and believe me, I've spent a good four hours trying to find the perfect quote on strengths and weaknesses, but I've come to a conclusion. There isn't one, and I've just wasted four hours. Now, I didn't really waste that time because I learned a lot from my research, the different quotes and people behind them, but these were the best two that I could come up with. Now, Mr. Emerson in particular is one of those humans who was just born with this innate ability to shape language in the same way that sculptors do, allowing a different meaning to be observed by anybody who reads or hears his words. I chose these simple quotes because, to me, they embody the broadest concept of what I'm trying to highlight on the importance of learning your strengths and weaknesses, and what role they play in shaping your mindset and your future. A small background on Ralph Waldo Emerson. Most know him as a writer and a lecturer who grew in his thoughts and developed the school of thought we now know as Transcendentalism. In order to not make this a humanities class, we'll make this brief. Mr. Emerson, the son of a pastor, was born in Boston in 1803. He experienced his father's death at the age of eight. This subjected Emerson, his mother, and his brother to poverty throughout their youth. He attended Harvard from ages 14 to 18 and unremarkably graduated in the middle of his class. He watched his brother at 23 years of age lose his physical and mental health, later dying at the age of 29 from tuberculosis. Emerson lost his first wife 20-year-old Ellen to tuberculosis after only two years of marriage. His brothers and his wife's deaths affected him deeply, and at 34 years of age, Mr. Emerson lost his first son, Waldo, to scarlet fever. After this period is where we really see the profoundness and deep thought of Mr. Emerson that he is known for. Transcendentalism itself is defined as the inherent goodness of people and nature, And while society and its institutions have corrupted the purity of the individual, people are at their best when truly self-reliant and independent. Basically, Ralph, who was a staunch abolitionist and equal rights supporter from his childhood on, believed that all beings were created with equal rights, innate freedom, and possessing everything they need to succeed in life and be happy from within themselves. He felt that reliance on others for any kind of happiness or opinion is a fault, but that one who is capable of reading books and thinking for themselves 
rather than simply regurgitating stored passages, or maintaining a relationship where two individuals can be happy separately and come together is the way of true happiness. As I'm sure we all believe, there is no human in the world without bias or some type of faulty reasoning in some respect. This is what experience does to us. It shapes our perspective and excuse any notion of an absolute truth from any one person. Mr. Emerson wrote and delivered a very popular speech entitled The American Scholar. And the tenets of this speech were the encouragement of true, free thought and the understanding that we are not defined by our jobs, where we live, or what we physically possess. Now stick with me here as it gets a little wordy, but I promise it's worth it and it all ties together. There is one man, present to all particular men only partially, or through one faculty, and that you must take the whole society to find the whole man. Man is not a farmer, or a professor, or an engineer, but he is all. Man is priest, and scholar, and statesman, and producer, and soldier, he says. The state of society is one in which the members have suffered amputation from the trunk, and strut about so many walking monsters. A good finger, a neck, a stomach, an elbow, but never a man. He goes on to say, The planter, who is man sent out into the field to gather food, is seldom cheered by any idea of the true dignity of his ministry. And now, what he means in this case is that this man doesn't realize what he does and what his position in life provides to so many others. He sees his bushel and his cart, he says, and nothing beyond, and sinks into the farmer instead of man on the farm. And what does this delegation of function do to a person? In this distribution of functions, the scholar is delegated intellect. In the right state, he is man-thinking. In the degenerate state, when the victim of society, he tends to become a mere thinker, or, still worse, the parrot of other men's thinking. It's safe to say Ralph leaned into his strengths from a young age and pursued his literary legacy with tenacity, regardless of the life events and weaknesses which stood in opposition. Are you still with me? Good, because here's where it all ties together. We all have strengths and weaknesses. We all have our own experiences and perspectives which make us valuable to others, even if we don't believe it ourselves or if we haven't found our audience or our community of people who would value the skills and experiences that we have yet. And still, these strengths and weaknesses are not meant to relegate us to one field or one such lifestyle, but can be used across the spectrum of possibilities. Mr. Emerson depicts it in the passage that I read about the importance of understanding what we bring to the table without being sentenced to any particular life simply based on those skills. But this is where we find our strengths and our weaknesses and learn how to apply them as leverage to achieve the goals that we set. And like I said earlier, in episode 7 we're actually going to go over the concept of stacking the deck, which is where we leverage all of our strengths that we have and use a combination of our relationships, people, and technology to cover our weaknesses and add additional strengths to the machine that's driving us towards our goals. So back to the two short quotes I mentioned at the beginning. First, we acquire the strength we overcome. This one translates pretty simply. 
Our strengths grow out of the adversity that we face and that we overcome. Ergo, despite all the emotions we feel in a moment of adversity, anger, sadness, contempt, loathing, we can be certain of one thing. When we get through it, we'll have added strengths to our inventory. Strengths which can help us in any endeavor we choose. We also identify weaknesses in these moments. And this is important. We should make note of these weaknesses so we can understand them, investigate them, and see what needs to be done to improve ourselves. Now this doesn't mean we should spend all our time working on our weaknesses though. After all, we all have inherent strengths which, when applied with the proper knowledge and timing, will help us reach our goals far better than working on a weakness. That's what brings us to the second quote. Our strength grows from our weakness. And this is also a pretty easy quote when you break it down. And um, I wanted to make a, a visual and kinesthetic example to get you to actually feel strength and weakness. Say you're working out and you're trying to make your squat stronger. Now, we know that the quadriceps are the main vehicle to get in a stronger squat. Although your glutes, your hamstrings, calves, core, and lower back are also very important. It's a heavy compound movement. But we'll say, compared to your quad strength, you have weak calves and weak hamstrings relative to your quadriceps. Now, will you improve your squatting strength by any great sum by doing nothing but calves and hamstrings while neglecting your quadriceps because they're already strong? No, you're going to continue to push those quads, and all the more by continuing to complete exercises which strengthen your quads, you're going to be strengthening your accessory muscles by association. You're also going to throw in some targeted exercise for your weaknesses, for your glutes, hamstrings, lower back, calves, and your core, to shore up any failing points, but you're not going to obsess over them. This is the exact same thing that we should be doing in our lives. We can't all be great at everything, and believe me, if you know me, I like to try everything, learn about everything, and get better at everything. But I know my true strengths and what uniquely calls me versus the things that I would like to get better at and learn how to do. No, we can't be great at everything, but we can leverage the strengths we do have to make a massive impact on achieving our goals, and we can find ways to handle the weaknesses. Alright, time for the meat and potatoes. Now, how do we actually identify our strengths and weaknesses? This is an entire field of study with thousands of different personality tests, aptitude tests, and related literature. We can take the Myers-Briggs indicator type test, for example, the working genius tests, four lenses, disc assessment, the neo-personality inventory, signature strength questionnaire. I could go on and on. Red Bull even has a strengths assessment called the wing finder. So in a field of information overload, where do we start? Which ones, or one, should we start with? Being a person who's taken about 40 or 50 of these different assessments, Here's what I can tell you from just a few tests. According to the Myers-Briggs type test, I'm an IMTP. That's introverted, intuitive, thinking, and perspective. The logician, they call it. Very introspective and analytical, but I get worn out by people, which is ironic considering my deep-seated desire to help others. According to the four lenses assessment, I'm orange, dominant, with blue as my secondary. This means I'm a thrill-seeker with an analytical side. According to the DISC personality assessment, I am I and D with some C and a little bit of S, which means I'm influence-based with some dominance 
and I'm conscientious and a small amount of steadiness. Under the six working geniuses, my top three geniuses are wonder, invention, and discernment, while enablement is a competency and galvanizing and tenacity are frustrations. And what all of that boils down to means that I love coming up with new ideas, inventing them, and deciding if they suck or not, but I'm lacking on the follow-through. According to BetterUp's coaching program and their whole person strengths assessment, my top five abilities are alignment, cognitive ability, problem solving, emotional regulation, and resilience. This means that I can rally people around a shared goal, adapt quickly to change, solve problems, control my emotions to a positive outcome, and bounce back from setbacks. Okay. So out of just these five assessments, how do I figure out what my strengths and weaknesses are from all this mumbo jumbo? For me, this raw data that comes back is useless without applying my own life experiences and my own situation to the results. So I'm introverted, analytical, thrill-seeking, influential and able to rally people around a shared goal. I can create. My brain is wired to create and to do, but it's terrible at following through to completion. I like to solve problems and I'm good at it, which is awesome because I have cognitive agility and can handle being tossed around on the waves. So how do all these character traits translate into usable, real-world strengths and weaknesses? Well, first off, I know two things about myself for certain. I am definitely a thrill-seeker, and I hate desk jobs and repetitive tasks. So would I find happiness in applying my strengths to a desk job position? No. And I know this from experience. I worked at Georgetown University for a total of about two months in the health and safety department. The environment was incredible, but I hated it. I was happier embracing the suck in the service and washing and waxing fire trucks than being in a desk job. And on top of that, leading and helping others realize their true potential has always held a very important place in my heart. Problem solving and critical thinking are also great skills to have as a firefighter, and even more so, All of these skills are great to have in any hands-on field. Think of trades, carpentry, plumbing, electrical, HVAC, welding, or the medical field, or even real estate or technology. I also know from 28 years of personal experience that extroversion, or being around large groups of people for me, scheduling, time management, organization, clerical work, and any other administrative tasks are the bane of my existence. They don't excite me, and even more so, They actively drain my energy. Also a weird one, my spatial recognition, especially with navigating and knowing where I'm going, is terrible. So how do I accentuate my strengths and cover for my weaknesses, like the Spartan shield wall or a Macedonian phalanx? Well, that's simple in concept and a bit trickier in execution. Play to your strengths. This doesn't mean that when we take on a task or work towards our goals, our weaknesses won't rear their ugly heads but it does mean we can often leverage our strengths to propel us towards our goals. And when we get to that next step where our weaknesses may hinder us, we have both the motivation of completing our last task behind us and the help of those who have gone before us to figure out what to do next. You see, we're not alone in our strengths or our weaknesses. There are many others out there who share your same strengths and weaknesses. And if you go searching, you'll find those who have overcome their weaknesses, the same weaknesses you have, 
in order to achieve their goals. And chances are, they'll be happy to help you on your journey. And even more amazingly, this is the 21st century. You're likely to find your answers on Google or YouTube, a blog, vlog, or a forum, an interview from a successful person, or a speech delivered to a graduating class. But you have to be moving forward towards your goals. Many successful people don't want to waste their time helping someone who can't show their dedication through achievement, no matter how small. You wouldn't go to Elon Musk for advice and say, well, I was thinking about starting a business. No, you better have a business already and be asking him how to go from mom-pop's local shop to SpaceX. Which leads me to another tangent. Uh, We ask different people for help based on the level that we're currently operating at. To get to where I am today, which is nowhere near where I want to end my journey, I started by asking people who had just started trying to do their own thing. Or I listened to podcasts, or googled some questions, watched some YouTube videos, and as I got each step completed and moved on to the next goal, I reached out to different people and at different levels, even if it's just people I know personally, family members, or local businesses. And trust me, I have a list of high achievers I want to reach out to when I get to my next milestone that I have set for myself. The thing is, all of the information one needs to succeed is already out there. It's been out there. Napoleon Hill wrote the book Think and Grow Rich in 1937 after interviewing 500 millionaires and finding the common denominator in each case. The mindset makes the millionaire. Though the book wasn't written to show just how to make millions of dollars, it was about having a rich mindset to achieve our goals. And this is exactly what Hill learned from people such as Andrew Carnegie, Henry Ford, and Charles Schwab, to name a few. This is what the modern day has come to call grit or stick-to-itness. It's not just about the strengths and weaknesses that we have, but it's about how we frame our perspective, knowing what these are and how to apply them. It's about making a clear vision of yourself in the future and having achieved your goals and using that vision to map out your moves, using your strengths. There's one analysis used in the business world known as a SWOT analysis. This stands for strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. Google it, it'll come in handy, and not just for a business, but for any individual as well. The important thing to remember about the SWOT analysis is that of these four realms, two are helpful and two are harmful, and two are internal while the other two are external to oneself. Your strengths are internal characteristics of yourself that are helpful in achieving your goals. Opportunities are what they sound like. External opportunities that are in line with your strengths that may present themselves within your environment and help you in achieving your goals. Weaknesses are internal characteristics which may hinder or harm you in achieving your goals, while threats are the external influences which can hinder or harm you. Now, writing this square out or printing it out and filling in each section can actually be very helpful in visually painting a big picture of you and yourself inside your environment. Again, you can Google any of these personality assessments, strength assessments. Most of them are free or have some type of free version available. And searching for one or finding a new one that might interest you helps just as well. But it's important to put concrete definitions to the strengths and the weaknesses that you possess. 
First, so they don't surprise you down the road. And second, so you know how to help yourself. I'll leave you with these excerpts from Les Brown, one of the world's greatest motivational speakers, at least in my opinion. Do with these as you wish. You will fail your way to greatness. Most people allow their fear of failure to outweigh their desire to succeed. When you're willing to fail again and again and again, when you make up your mind to become unstoppable, when you make up your mind to become a no matter what person, then that will then give birth to a part of yourself that you don't know right now. Imagine, if you will, being on your deathbed and standing around your bed, the ghost of the dreams, the ideas, the abilities, the talents given to you by life, and that you, for whatever reason, you never went after that dream. You never acted on those ideas. You never used those talents. You never used those gifts. And there they are standing around your bed looking at you with large angry eyes saying, we came to you and only you could have given us life. And now we must die with you forever. See, most people stop short of their dreams and park and get off the highway of life because of the rejections of life. You will always be rejected. It's no big deal. Jack Canfield said rejection is a myth. It's not like when somebody says no and then they slap you. No, it's just, you know, to me, make know your vitamin. Get excited about the no. Why? Because every time someone says no, that brings you another step to a yes. You're getting closer. Trust me, you will win if you don't quit. You will win if you don't quit. Even a broke clock is right twice a day. As you go through the challenges of life, and you look at it and embrace whatever comes to you. Don't run from it. Step toward it. Don't try and duck it like most people do. See, most people want it easy. See, if you easy come, easy what? Easy go. See, but when you go at what you're going to deal with and you deal with the difficulties of it, when you handle those hard things close at hand, making those hard decisions right now that you don't want to make, learning those things that you don't like to do but you know that in order for you to get where you want to go this is one of the hoops that you have to flip through and i'm saying to you whatever you got to do do it because if you don't life is going to whoop you until you surrender you have something that you brought to the universe and that if you decide that my life deserves my developing this what i do well and becoming the best at it and mastering myself and seeing what I have within me. If you decide to drop your buckets where you are and develop your gifts, I grant you, you'll never ever be without. I grant you that your gifts will take you places that will literally amaze you. I grant you that if you begin to work to develop your gifts, You'll develop a strong sense of happiness. You'll get a larger vision of yourself because part of beginning to get a larger vision of yourself, all of us need some area of our lives where we can have a feeling of competence. That people know when they think about this area, that's something you do. That you eat and sleep that. And that you do that. You do that.
I hope you've enjoyed this episode of Making It Work. If you'd like to support this podcast and the educational videos on YouTube, please feel free to visit and to support us through Patreon at patreon.com forward slash one better. That's patreon.com forward slash the number one better. Even small donations or monthly subscriptions will allow us to spend less time building or fixing things and more time showing you guys how. Also, if you have any topics you'd like us to cover, please feel free to email your suggestions and we'll do our absolute best. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Be humble and stay hungry.